Things are going to start happening to me now. You've done all the reading. You're a scholar. You're a professor. You've done all the reading. You've done the intellectual heavy lifting. Or less, eat shit and die. You wouldn't know a fact if it begged you all night long. Want to like, um, you know, give the wrong impression because I am, I I am very high. Can run up behind him with a hatchet, smash, smash, smash. Yeah, care. I'm a libertarian. What I'm getting is, did why? you vote for Joe Jorgensen or Trump? Who? That's Joe Jorgensen. That was the perfect answer. Thank you. <laughs> that was Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Libertarian <clears throat> Podcast Review. This is Tyler Yonke. I'm going solo on a Friday, and we'll see how that uh, works out. Um, best, by the way, best intro ever is the one I have there. I, I want to change it up at times, but how can you how can you argue with so much quality um, content in there? Okay, um, thank you, Muse. You can cut the the background noise there. Uh, okay. Um, I just let's give a little update to how Andy is doing. Maybe maybe you guys don't know. Um, so I, he's not here with me today. Um, so I thought maybe I would just give a share. Maybe we could walk through some of Andy's tweets, just kind of seeing how he's doing and reminisce along the way. I think that's maybe <laughs> some some little this music with this. Um, what's Andy doing? He's posting. Okay. Oh, he's on a couch. Okay, yeah, he's got some uh, troll tweets. He's blocking some people. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, racist Bucky's. Um, pocket IQ test. I like that. Male camel toe. Oh, David. Um, horrible. Those guys need to put a shirt on. Oh, there's Andy and Emma. Oh, so so be so beautifully said, Little River Band. I just can't think about you as a friend. Take it easy Okay, some, <laughs> now we're getting into some other crap. Oh boy, Andy, I don't know what you're tweeting here. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's cut down the music a little bit. Um, I, I did want to say, that. so it was GoFundMe. We'll give a, a quick update on that one. Um, we hit over $6,500. Andy was able to move to uh, Tennessee. He went over there. He's hanging out with Emma now. He's trying to get his shit together. Um, so uh, and I just thought it was a big help for us was Michael Malice. And uh, Andy tweeted out to Michael Miles, you know, his daughter has a picture with the Anarchist Handbook. Uh, I just thought that was pretty cool. So, all right, Little River Band, thank you. Um, that's, <laughs> that's what we have there. Uh, yeah, Andy, at some point he's going to move uh, Benzo. Uh, it's an STD-free. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, it, it is STD-free. Uh, Andy, is he STD-free? I don't know, people. Um, welcome, everyone, to a Friday. Let's, let's see what we're all doing. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd go through a few things. Um, haven't got okay. I have a plan next Thursday to do another kill podcast episode. I hope we'll um, we'll get it done. I'm trying to. I've, Robbie Bernstein has come back and forth. He's he's gonna. I'm trying to coordinate with him. So I was trying to hopefully have that. Then Andy. Andy's a problem because I don't know if he has a place necessarily at where he's staying right now, uh, secluded. So if we were to do this and he's there, he's probably having people. It, it might be as bad as though doing his <laughs> podcast interview from the couch or the, the kitchen or wherever he was a few weeks ago. Uh, Tyler, drink. Okay, I, I am, Benzo. I just. 
there we go. Refreshing. I'm trying, I'm trying to cut that stuff down. I went to the doctor this week. And um, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm big into cycling. And it kind of took me out a few uh, a year and a half ago when I had a bike wreck. So I just kind of not been doing it as much, uh, concentrating more on work and uh, vib- vibration or, or <laughs> adult beverages. Uh, and the, the weight I got on the scale and it wasn't a, it wasn't a happy situation. So I'm focusing back, back on that very seriously. I'm going to get back into bike racing this year. Um, I, I do it on a pretty, uh, serious level. So it's not just something you just jump back into people. You gotta, you gotta get fit. And so it's not fun if you're not. Okay. Um, let's go. So we're, we're done with Andy. Um, maybe we'll, we'll talk about him, uh, afterwards. I did a, and, and I'm trying to encourage people to go, if you want, if you read, I know there's people out there that don't, uh, Cole or whomever, uh, to go check out my, um, sub stack. And with that, uh, cause I, I, I did it. Let's see if we can find it here. Okay. Uh, I did a podcast not too long ago about Safadine Amus. So I wrote up a complete uh, rebuttal with him because he had come at me. I called him a liar, which uh, it's, I'll just read the first little bit here, and then we'll kind of go through a few of these uh, other issues. I apologize to Safadi and Amus for calling him a liar on my podcast, episode 44, in promoting this tweet, uh, the episode on Twitter, and then a few other times on Twitter exchanges and in this write-up if I do. Perhaps I should have said he was lazy. Okay. Um, I go through what a lie actually is and two of the definitions here is to make an untrue statement with intent to deceive or to create a false or misleading impression. Uh, yeah, so I think that last one actually plays into a part. So uh, what happened was I had a clip and uh, maybe I'll play it real quick here just as part of this. No, nah, I'm not going to uh, go, go check it out. But then I thought I would um, I did a whole podcast with him. I reached out to him and then there was stuff. And so I'll, I'll just read his his DMs to me. This is a guy that, you know, uh, 250, 300,000, uh, followers on Twitter and me, I'm, uh, under 2000. Um, so he said, and without getting into the weeds of the situation, uh, I'll just say he, I just thought I'd be interested to read these. I may have mixed up white and copper. It's actually Cooper. And, and in the interview I did, but I did not do that in the book. Okay. I didn't know he wrote a book about this, which was also contained references explaining my claim. You could have read the book before accusing me of being a liar. I did not answer you because I did not see your tweet. To accuse me of being a liar is a truly deranged thing to do when you did not even bother read the book. Thankfully and understandably, nobody watches your pod. (laughs) Not not completely wrong about that. Uh, So what was interesting is he had written written a book. Then he goes on a podcast, the Human Action Podcast, and he talks about this little point in this podcast. It's about a church. He calls them a cult, a few other things, and he totally makes up the people. It's very important who these people are uh, and how he mixed them up. Okay. It's material, as we would say in law. So um, mixing them up makes a big difference. Uh, I, I, I equated it to here. Like, let's say you have a quiz and you're like, um, uh, who has the all-time home run record? And you, you miss the person up. Okay. Well, the idea is who has the most home runs. His would be a kind to saying, what did I actually say it? Um, saying it to, to like a totally different sport that has nothing to do with the one we're, we're talking about. So um, anyway, he's, he says that. Well, so a few things about his, his, his um, tweet here or his thing to me. He admits it's the wrong person. Uh, he wrote a book about this, okay, or, or at least a, a, a chapter about it. And in, this is the guy that wrote the book 
and then goes on a podcast and gets it wrong. That's not my fault. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I get all this. Uh, by the way, this was months ago, many, many months ago. Um, so we'll get, we'll get here further. Cause then there's uh, my response. I said, yes, I didn't read your book, but instead heard your interview where you now admit you got it wrong. Okay. I did ask you for specifics to your claim, but as you say, no one watches my stuff or reads my tweets. So your inaccuracies, inaccuracies won't go noticed anyway, which is probably his true thing. Sadly, I've enjoyed your work. The issue seems wholly out of context. So it just makes me wonder about the other things you write. If you'd like to come on my unwatchable show, we can go over it more. I'm not going to read your book, but if you want to send me the specifics about this, I'll review it. Okay. And he says, uh, I got a name mixed up. You called me a lighter. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Holy out of context. You're being an attention whore, seriously imputing my integrity to get attention because I got a name mixed up in an interview. Dude, you wrote the, the chapter in the book about it. So uh, yeah, I, I expect you to at least get it right. Um, so then this is my reply here. I wasn't an attention whore. Uh, if I was an attention whore, these DMs would have been published ASAP. By the way, it's been months, months ago. Okay. I decided to div dive into this and do a full uh, understanding. I like promoting other shows rather than myself. Even in my episodes, I praised your work. Let the ego go for a bit. I have no trouble retracting the liar comment and renaming the episode in thumb. I thought a civil discussion of it would help because you got it wrong on human action podcast. Getting the name wrong, however, is material. If you said white, which was the person he didn't say, uh, I'd have disagreements, but ignored you because white ties to the SDA church is about a church thing. Uh, Cooper makes your comments a fabrication. How do you not get that? You also said the church was a cult. I still think a discussion would be useful because I have a lot of inside knowledge, yet disagreements with the SDA health message. You could actually teach me a thing or two. That's it. My apologies for saying you lied, as I could only assume what you say about your book is correct. Tell me to fuck off doesn't offend me at all. I have a life outside of Twitter in this podcast hobby. Uh, absolutely so. Um, what, what the interesting thing is, then I found his book. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's, let's go through this. So I went out. I found his. He has a whole chapter called Fiat Foods. Uh, so I'm like, I'm giving this uh, a total uh, break. Oh, by the way, when he sent me the DM, he sent me a link to, to help bolster his position. It was a link. His comments, by the way, in the initial thing, which you can take a listen to, <clears throat> have everything to do with the United States and this Seventh-day Adventist church and their, what he calls cult-like, well, he called them a cult. And then their, their health message that he says um, is used to basically uh, have standing um, with the government and, and polit a lot of political power. He said most powerful. Okay. Uh, then he gives me a link to uh, a, a blog post uh, from Australia that that was so it, he he has okay maybe they're they're powerful in Australia I don't know um, but it has nothing to do with what you said so it was interesting and then he and then I found this this chapter in his book Fiat Foods so fine I read it what I found was more and more and more problems okay and um, he talks about this guy Dr Kellogg which I've gone over. Um, uh, one of the big things he says here is this lady, Lena Cooper, who he says was part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. She wasn't. I read her biography. It's extensive. They say there's no ties to it, but she had ties to the church in a sense. But just because she worked for an organization, which is her tie-in, doesn't which in their um, uh, educational program and then left it in the early 1900s, um, and he's talking about the 1970s, even though it, and she got her master's at Drexel University. So if I, as an example, go to University of Colorado, which I did, or if, let's say you go to Harvard, every time you talk, you're not 
representing that school unless you're specifically representing that school, that the institution, what have you. Um, going through there, there were so many problems with what he had. I came to the conclusion, and I'll just read up my conclusion here. Um, uh, did Safadine lie? Maybe not, as I can't read his mind on all of his claims. Laziness might be a worse moniker to place on him, however, and that is certainly what we have here. I can be lazy in my podcasts, but I'm not lazy in how I do my job, and this is certainly the way he makes his living. I, my ultimate question is still the same one I raised when I did the podcast. Why would you make these statements when they are so easily disproven and when it is unnecessary to make your overall point? Ah, uh, yes, because you didn't have the proper research in the first place. This reminds me of why some deep researchers really dislike certain popular conspiracy theorists. They do a disservice and distract from the other legitimate theories that hold water when they push forward the absurd ones with the legit ones. Here we have a great topic and a well-thought-out concept mixed with pot shots, misstatements, and lazy research. What else is he messing up on? <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um, Take a, take a shot at that. It, it's pretty in deep. I give a lot, a lot of uh, references and links to items, uh, articles out there. A simple, you, you could have, he could have written his whole post, his book, and maybe he did by using the internet rather than like getting the books. I mean, the stuff's out there. Um, so, you know, whatever. Um, do I have a, do I have a big problem with Safadine? Uh, it, I'm not going to check out his stuff anymore. That's just all it is. You guys can completely do so. He maybe he's really credible on crypto probably is, uh, but he also seems like a kind of an egoist. And his big thing is kind of he's on the carnivore diet. I don't, I don't have a carnivore diet or Bitcoin to hawk. Therefore, I'm just never going to get the, the downloads. That's probably the truth. I'd also written um, a thing about state action and, and basically given you guys the cover to complain about it's a private company, bro. That kind of situation. Um, start off with uh, Stephen Crowder and Alex uh, Jones mocking the Libertarian Party, but not really understanding that the government is completely involved and intertwined with all that. Um, I, I give some breakdown here of some cases. Uh, Rothbard in his work, Andy and I had gone over that. Um, and then it kind of, I was starting to draft up a new one um, here because the Twitter files, and maybe we'll go, we'll walk through the Twitter files, I think. Um, but, you know, the, the state involvement. It's getting pretty heavy with those as well. And then, by the way, I got I got some clips we'll play. Um, we'll do some other things. I don't think Andy's ever going to join me. I, I never actually sent him a, a link to join me. Let me just see. Nope, uh, nothing there. So um, if he wants to, he can. Uh, Spud, uh, let's this right here. It was a good article. Thank you. I hope you're talking to me. You should have said great, by the way. Why didn't you say great? Uh, breaking email leaks. Uh, okay, so we have Twitter files, and we'll go through Taibbi's first one of that. Uh, and then this George guy has, uh, there's a lawsuit, I think it's Missouri and Louisiana. Uh, and so there's a bunch of depositions of a bunch of different people. And some of the stuff that's coming out is leaking, uh, showing. So Katie Hobbs, the, the secretary of state of uh, Arizona, she had been contacting Twitter to pull things down. Now, look, Twitter is doing this. And, and I think what they need to actually start doing, and you're going to see, you saw that actually, um, Adam Schiff just sent a, um, something to Elon Musk, basically like, hey, there's a, a real rise in hate speech and we need to, you know, do you need to do something about that or we're going to have uh, hearings and stuff about it. And if I was, uh, you know, this may be to the detriment, but I don't think, I think Musk is in a place where he's just kind of already said, screw it, you're either going to kill me or whatever, I'm going to go down with the ship. 
just deny these people. They, they have no jurisdiction to be doing this. There's nothing for them. Hate speech, you mean the, uh, covered by the First Amendment? Yeah, that's unless it's just incitement to violence, which, you know, is that's what they're, they're going to try to do. You know, Yul Roth, the former security head or whatever of, of uh, Twitter, was uh, talking about how traumatized they were over tweets and stuff of, of Trump. So um, who knows what's going to happen. But I, I just suggest that these people uh, stop um, these people being um, Twitter and the, and the like, just stop falling towards uh, uh, adhering to them, right? If you just push back and say, screw you, you know, uh, like, like actually what might be really helpful and it might actually calm this, uh, calm a lot of this down is when these um, state actors, these senators, these uh, congressmen, these uh, state government people are sending in requests to Twitter to remove things and now they're getting exposed, even if it's just on a small uh, idea, they might be just cool just a little bit more to not send something in because it's going to come out. And, and that would be uh, good. Um, uh, oh, no. Uh, insult meant. It was a great article. No joke. It was well thought out and well researched with links. I thought you did a great job. Uh, that's that's but Thank you very much. Um, yeah, that's all I needed. People was. Uh, <laughs> so here's the deal. Safadine has not contact me yet about it and i don't think he will and and i was uh man i, I even talked to Kinsella kind of off uh, you know behind the scenes about this in a sense i didn't really know how i wanted to go this i'm like i don't need this this smoke i don't really need the fire that's going to come from this but then i'm also like i, I don't know i did research I, there's nothing about what i wrote in there that's problematic he came after me hard which i totally understand if you're if that's your job and your whole thing is writing books okay and you're going on and someone's calling you a liar that's pretty outlandish um and maybe you know looking back i could i could have not said that only to save his ego a little bit but it didn't mean i was wrong and matter of fact with more context i think i was like okay i don't think he outright meant to do that but he he never addressed um calling millions of people liar uh, in a cult i mean that that's that's def defamatory right I, I would think so um so anyway um he, he's kind of a chump on that regard but I actually was really hoping to kind of get him on the podcast because I thought it'd be fun, um, you know, have a little pushback back and forth. But uh, he didn't. He said to go fuck yourself, which, by the way, I mean, in his defense, uh, he shouldn't have been worried. about. OK, Matt Taibbi goes through the Twitter files. I don't know that I'm going <clears> to <throat> read every single one of these. As people pointed out, it gets a bit rough to try to read this on a tweet thread. I really want to know the backstory of this. How are you doing this, Matt Taibbi? Are you drafting it all out? Um, beforehand and then, uh, you know, just saving the tweets and then sending them out one by one. I mean, it's a thread. So maybe are you drafting them out on a word doc and then cut and paste and then you wait a little bit? Cause I don't think you're, you're sending them out as you've done the research, right? That, that would be, that would be kind of ridiculous. Um, that's a, do you want him to respond? Cause we could do a little <laughs> reply. Uh, no, whatever. I, I mean, if he does, he does. What was interesting is it came to his attention and I said in the article, um, happened to be on a Dave thread that I was tweeting on and someone else then posted in this comment and then Safadine somehow got tagged in there. And then, by the way, that person reached out to me and they said that he was in uh, their DMs calling me a piece of shit. <laughs> like the ego on this guy. I mean, why? It, you know, Spud, you of anybody, you react to zero followers uh, type of people. Um, you know, I understand you, you've got that compulsion and he did, too. He couldn't help it. Because um, really, what's the point of coming coming after me about this? Although, you know, I've had some some bigger people than him on the show, right? I mean, Dave Smith, when you say he may be bigger than him, I don't know. Um, okay, Matt Taibbi, 
curious about how he sends these out. Okay, people, uh, that's the curiosity part of me, which is, I doubt you're like researching and then hurrying going to and sending out a tweet and do a little more research. I mean, this a lot of stuff to go through. So you've probably had it done. So then the curiosity is, why don't you just do a complete tweet thread and click all at once and have it go out instead of this, send it. What do you do? Wait a little bit, see what the reactions are. Put another tweet up there, see what the reactions are. Um, Spud says it's my superpower. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, uh, item two, tweet two. What about uh, what you're about to read is the first installment in a series based upon thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter. The quote Twitter files unquote tell an incredible story from inside one of the world's largest and most influential social media platforms. It's a Frankenstein. Okay, so a lot of this preamble we don't need. Twitter in its conception was a brilliant. Okay, more. In an early conception, Twitter had more than, okay. Uh, as time progressed, however, the company was slowly, for, I mean, this is this is like Lord of the Rings intro type of stuff, okay? We don't need to get to all this. Slowly over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tools. Great. So uh, tweet eight finally gets to some nuggets here. 2020 request a connection to actors to delete tweets more routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from Biden, da, da, da. Um, I don't think these were from state uh, actors. When I say that, I mean like government sources. Celebrities and unknown would like would be removed at the behest of the political party. So James Wood gets deleted. You know, someone mentioned that they went through some of these other ones here, these early tweets, I think on, on tweet eight uh, that he had listed. And they were not necessarily, they weren't related to like the Hunter Biden uh, laptop and anything. They're related to like anti-China information. Some of the tweets, I think, uh, that were taken down at the request of the Biden administration. Um, this is just all shit I'm hearing. Dave says, um, what up, nerds? The young Meacock, uh, David, I uh, also saw your new job with Tower Power Hour, or Tower Gang, sorry, the newly rebranded Tower Gang. Uh, well done. Uh, I think Dickie is on the ledge, uh, ready to kill himself over your hostile takeover of that job. But you did you did the job. You know, I don't know that he did. Um, celebrities were removed. Um, both parties had access to these tools, for instance. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so what was interesting here is you look at this Open Secrets of these donations. And I've gone through here and they are, uh, Connor Rowe, by the way, is the number one party, the uh, person uh, in Congress candidate that were, they donated to. Um, that's, that's pretty interesting because later on, she actually comes out and kind of tries to defend the First Amendment and Twitter's involvement in some of these things. So um, send me a link, you nerd. Uh, I don't know. No, I, just hang on, Dave. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Let me go through some of this stuff. Um, unless you're talking to someone else. Um, okay, so uh, Keanu was in there. Um, he's, he mentions here, Taibi, at one point that the, about the Biden story, that it was blocked. We understand that. Uh, they took extraordinary steps to remove the story, removing links. You couldn't even send them in DMs. Um, McEnany's uh, Twitter account was uh, suspended at the time. They had to get involved to take a closer look and get that back. Um, Da, da, da. Um, there was also something here that they said that I thought was interesting. It went up to the highest heads and Vijaya and Jack Dorsey. Um, where's the part I'm looking for about the government? They say the FBI. So there's a lot of these little things back and forth, which is it's it, some of it's like, eh, okay. James Baker, uh, to which formerly deputy general counsel, James Baker, again, seems to advise staying the non-course because caution is warranted. So he's, telling people this is a hack, whatnot. At some point in here, 
Uh, oh, here's a Kana, Kana Rowe. She actually mentions, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, which interestingly enough, she's the highest paid uh, connected person from Open Secrets uh, donated to, to the party. Um, so um, it's pretty much Roe Kana is a dude, by the way. Um, hey, with a name like that, you expect me, maybe, maybe you're the one that's misgendering. Have you thought of that, young David? Okay, whatever. I just assumed. <laughs> um, da, 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 that's where else. Okay. Uh, Connor Rowe is the first to route the conversation to the First Amendment. So good job for him. Okay. Um, anyway, a lot of other Democrats. Um, what, what does mention in here, um, to Matt Taibbi says, oh, what was interesting though, there wasn't really a lot of, uh, government involvement in some of this stuff. What's come out since then is this James Baker guy who had been, uh, I think, uh, attorney for, or working for the FBI was one that was really pushing a lot of Russian conspiracy theory stuff. He then comes over the Twitter and he's her head counsel when, um, um, Barry Weiss starts to go through there, a female, by the way, David. Um, when he starts to go through um, all the stuff, she notices that someone has internally at Twitter, I guess there's a link of like showing who's looking at him, uh, comes about that it's this Baker person. They, they inquired as James Baker. So when we say that when Taibbi points out here that there wasn't a lot of government involvement necessarily in some of these tweets or, or bringing this down, we don't necessarily know if that's the truth because what did James Baker take out? What did he siphon out? What did he remove from the searches, by the way, he was fired like ASAP. So I, I'm, uh, it'd be awesome if if they were able to find that he was taking out more information uh, than he should have been doing, um, which you know is, is what we could. Okay, so Barry Weiss comes out. First of all, I, I should I should uh, backtrack just just a tad bit here. So talking about the state action stuff, you've seen it with Alex Berenson. He's showing that the, the Biden administration was specifically in Fauci were targeting him, getting him removed. That's a violation of the First Amendment, obviously. Uh, you have uh, Facebook uh, and um, Zuckerberg going on Rogan, specifically talking about being told that the this was a hack. Then all this thing, it's not as much of a connection, partly because Baker may have uh, took, taken some things down, but um, th the influence and that when you are uh, basically the entanglement to such an extent, and by the way, there's tests and, and case law that breaks these things out for how you determine this, things like um, private communities that are so much as a, uh, a government type of thing that they essentially are. Um, and so, you know, is, is Twitter like that? Well, when, when you're saying like, hey, there's warnings and you've been taking things down willingly from them and then they start sending you more and they're, they're saying there's hacking and all kinds of kind of things, you are more likely than not going to be, you know, following in line. If you're not, you know, there could be as of right now. Twitter is, you know, uh, Adam Schiff, like I mentioned early on, he wants to have hearings and uh, call, you know, uh, calls uh, um Elon Musk to task uh, for hate speech. If you're not following in line, we're going to bring you before Congress. That's complete intimidation. Now you start sending them direct messages to do certain things. You know, it's it's there's too much of a connection. And I could only hope that at some point. Um, okay, let's see what else we got here. Um, <clears throat> Spud says, if you're being honest, I was also uh, doing almost all the clips anyway, and it's not like life is getting benefits and a pension. Uh, that's talking about Dickie and um, uh, David. No, but he was a co-sponsor of the Yemen stuff, so I happen to know who he is. You're talking about Dickie or back to Ro Khanna? I think Ro Khanna. No, he stated he wasn't much evidence for foreign government involvement. Okay, okay. 
maybe that's your, your what you're saying. Um, no, he did weird. Okay, I, maybe I'm wrong on that. Tyler, I sent you a DM on Twitter. Okay, let's take a look and see. Uh, we're not gonna. Everyone's not gonna look at the DM on Twitter um, to see what we had. Okay, here we go. Okay, there we go. Although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that summer about a possible foreign hacks. There's no evidence that I've seen of any government. Okay, so no, 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 that, that, that you're not quite right there, and I'm not quite right either. Um, it's uh, a foreign hacks, okay, and any government's involvement. So it could be foreign government, it could be U.S. government. So you and I are both kind of wrong, but you're kind of right with some of that. Make sure I, I read this. Foreign government, yeah. So what you just, should I bring this up for everybody? Maybe this, it's, um, there we go. Although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that summer about possible foreign hacks. Man, God, can you mark this shit up anymore? Uh, there's no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. In fact, there might have been the problem. Okay. That was, that was really, <laughs> I got just about said. Okay. Um, we could probably go through berries pretty quick and then let's, let's get to some show stuff, people. Uh, Barry Weiss, new Twitter files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees build blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret without informing users. Twitter once had a mission to give everyone, once again, I don't need the soliloquies here of the opening stuff. Take, for example, Stanford's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, and he, by the way, he came to prominence. Um, I, I watched a bunch of his podcasts early on. He did some great studies too with, he, he talked about at the major league baseball that they were quarantining people. They, I mean, he had the perfect study. So he was doing immunology and economic, whatever it is, studies with the, the, the major league baseball. And early on, he had good data about uh, the, the COVID and, and uh, what not, um, so he was a great person, part of the Barrington Declaration people as well. Uh, okay, so hang on. She's got you here. Spud says, I was using that to argue with someone else on Twitter. Maybe a bot. <laughs> yeah. If it's not uh, Safadine, who cares, right? Um, okay, so Bhattacharya's account, and you can see this here. They have these little buttons you can select here that he's on a trend blacklist, recent abuse strike. I don't know what the active means. Dan Bongino. He's a verified user, non-notification spike. I, I guess maybe that's saying, hey, he's been getting a lot of notifications for this person. Let's, let's mute those out. Kind of like how people talk about uh, YouTube. Like, hey, I have the notifications on, but no one's, uh, they're not notifying me. And by the way, go right now, click like, maybe, uh, you know, something else to your show. But we got um, JC saying, Barry Weiss is a hack. Just proves that Twitter files are yet another limited hangout being curated by controlled op gatekeepers uh, perhaps um i do like the fact that he's going uh, a completely different route than and, and by the way i don't i don't believe that you're correct about her being a hack i've i've followed her for quite some time i've enjoyed some of the stuff that she's done you're saying that because she's a lesbian maybe that's that's it and and maybe you got a point uh <laughs> she was basically excommunicated from the new york times um she did go on joe rogan and say some bad things about tulsi gabbard um saying she was a toady for uh yemen or something like that uh, for the Mossad, uh, or what's his name? Uh, that guy. Um, I sent a thread to Tyler about Barry Weiss. Oh, you did. When did you do that? Are you guys sending this to me right now? Do I have need to go to my, uh, yes, you did. Okay. Perhaps. However, however you state it, even, even someone like Safadine Amus might be able to get you some info that you guys can use 
for Bitcoin. Maybe not for Fiat Foods. Maybe there's something in there for that. Even amongst all his crap, he could... <laughs> Uh, I'm not here to defend Barry Weiss. I am here more. And by the way, right after this happened, when I say this, I mean the, the first Twitter files, I went through, I went to Drudge Report. There was one link at the top about Twitter and it took you to a story. There wasn't a bunch of links about different stories. There's one story and it was a piece of crap story kind of about it. Then you, I, you know, you go to the right wing sites and they've got a bunch of stories about it. You go to the New York times, all these other ones, and there's nothing or it's buried way down and it's softball stuff or it's like non-useful. So, you know what? Um, maybe uh, my, my point on this is like, um, it's, it's coming at us from a different way and, and Twitter itself is becoming the news source rather than these other environments which is significant, I think. Um, maybe Barry is not the right one. By the way, Alex Berenson said he had reached out to Elon about doing the, the stuff about COVID. And uh, Elon said, you know what? I don't think you're the right, you're, you're too involved in the story itself. Let's have someone, and I, I totally agree. And by the way, this is, this is the be all end all. I, the best way to do this would be to, to push it out there like a WikiLeaks style. And then we can credibly check Barry Weiss, Matt Taibbi, any of these other people against the sources themselves uh, which would be uh, a great way to do it. Um, there is something to Safadin stuff on the food and fiat money. Maybe not the religious stuff. I don't know about that, but I can't remember why there is. Uh, yeah, and, and by the way, David, read my article because I, I point out some of the solid stuff he has about that and that I don't have. But if if you need to, and by the way, it's it's similar to this. I remember, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He's a Australian, Josh Zepps. He came out against Tim Pool once and just, Initially, and, and this is just an example. You can do it about anybody. Happens with Dave Smith as well. He called him alt-right Tim Pool, and then he explains something else. And, and uh, Malice talks about this all the time. Once you say alt-right, the rest of it doesn't even matter because the people will tune out. It's now you don't even need to push against. Notice what um, even softening stuff when he came to me, he, his argument was, hey, I fucked up, but it wasn't a big fuck up. Why would you call me a liar? You didn't at all explain defend your position so that's the problem once you can just come out there and that's by the way that's what he does david he he ridicules and he mocks and he does it incorrectly and he doesn't have to do that so when he calls these people names and then he says certain things about him which are completely un, not true and i disprove them point by point then you start to wonder well why can't the topic just hold up on its own and that to me is the most, I do this all the time. Um, I'm in court and you get documents written by the other parties or your, what your client wants. And they, they're just a bunch of shit said by everybody. And you're like, the judge at this point doesn't even care. They're, they're, there's very narrow focus of what they're caring. Let's not worry about all this entangled stuff here and there. Um, okay. So that's, that's just my point. Let's go back to here though. Okay. This is uh, some important stuff. Dan Bongino was obviously spiked. Um, this is the only one I don't have a problem with. Uh, Charlie Kirk, recent abuse strike, notification spike, uh, do not amplify, <laughs> not safe for work view. I, I agree. Uh, I'm always, and this one is a Twitter set the account conservative activist Charlie Kirk to do not amplify. I'm trying to do that to my own family with Charlie Kirk. Um, very, very, not, not in the same way Twitter is. I'm just, my, my dad was just talking about him the other day and I'm like, ugh, who? Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Kirk. Okay. Uh, but anyway, Twitter denied a lot of these things. Um, okay. So I don't know that we need to necessarily go through a bunch of this more, but um, they were obviously shadow banning and they had their reasons for doing so, which was basically they gave, sound like to me, almost everybody on Twitter just to, uh, working there 
the opportunity to just shut shit down uh, without um, without much uh, of a problem. Libs of TikTok were a big one. Had to do with the doxing thing. They were doxed. There were ten thousand likes on this Twitter page. They uh, of them being of the, uh, the the person being doxed. They didn't take it down, but yet they're saying that this is harmful. And what's interesting is there's always pushback of like, look, we don't really have the, um, we can't stand on the accusations of hacking of some of these other things that were uh, harmful content that we're saying it is, but we're just going to, we're just going to use it, use those excuses until we, uh, we get caught. Um, uh, Spud says, I agree. Charlie Kirk is a sick big O. Kate says, this is pretty much what Zuckerberg said on Rogan. I don't know why people are so shocked. Uh, right. Kate, Kate, exactly. So, but I, I think it's important here. And by the way, I wrote a sub stack. I'm pushing this today. Go check it out. It's called Statist Action on the on my sub stack, uh, Tyler Yonke at Substack. But that's the title of the, the, the episode. And what I say, though, is these are these are necessary items for us. Um, how we've always said shadow banning it. And they're like, no, I mean, even today, you know, there's, there's things about, I, I'll kind of get to this about uh, some of the Twitter people, you know, denying things. Uh, Jack Dorsey in 2018 said, you know, we don't do this at all. I mean, I wish we could just show you the algorithm and, and you know, it'd be fine. It's like, okay, you're saying it's not happening, but now we have receipts. Um, back to what I do in court, there's always, he said, she said, and it's, it's frustrating. Cause at some point the judge is like, I don't know, maybe you're both just, you know, crazy or I don't know who to believe, but when you can show receipts, now you're putting things in a different perspective. And part of my draft, right, right up on the status action stuff was there's so many times people like, uh, Alex Jones and, um, Crowder to say, oh, you know, libertarian doesn't work and whatever. And cause it's a private company, bro. And then people like Dave Smith are pushing back going we're not, it's not a private company in its purest form. So that's not even, so you can push back. And my, my write-up is specific to say you have now the, uh, the receipts to say, no, that's not true. Uh, as you said, Kate Zuckerberg mentioned it. This here's proof. He's saying there's proof. Here's Alex Berenson's proof on his lawsuit. Here's the Louisiana and Missouri lawsuit against the government and Fauci and all these people. There's proof there. Now there's Twitter's proof and documented stuff. So screw you conservatives, liberals, uh, libertarians who are saying it's a private company or whatnot. Um, this is not how it is. And if you remove the government tangle entanglement and, and stranglehold on this, then we can actually go over that. So um, I think personally, that's that's uh, I have David's Substack too. Okay, nothing I've seen on Twitter files is surprising so far. No, but once again, David, I, I'd say this again. I think this is an important thing. Do you think a congressman or some government entity might be less likely, less likely to uh, send something to Twitter now to have something removed than they were before? They might get outed now right away. And I think to me, that's, that's some of the beautiful stuff. Um, okay. Um, is there any more of this thing? I think we'll just Barry Rice. Da -da -da, da -da -da. Okay. Yoel Roth. He's kind of a piece of shit too. Um, I did have another, all right, let's, let's remove this from, from here. And uh, cause I want to look at um, something real quick over my bookmarks. See if I had any other items here. Oh yeah, this was this was a <laughs> this is an interesting one today. Um, this this chick uh, Ann Collier says three of us resigned from Twitter's Truth uh, Trust and Safety Council today. She lists out who they are, uh, and then they give the reasons why. 
And, you know, they've been, uh, I wrote it, I did a tweet on it basically like, look, these people, th this isn't a, I'm resigning because no one really cares. This isn't really a, a resignation type of thing. It's really about, oh shit, we need to get out of here before the shit hits the fan and we're really, really <laughs> exposed. So let's get out of here. Now let's also try to blame everyone else and say that, you know, somehow we're, we're victims and the audacity of it uh, is a bit uh, much. So um, I don't, I don't really buy all that. Okay. Um, do we have any other, I had some other good bookmarks here of things I wanted to go over. Um, oh, here's the one from Jack. We'd love to open up how our ranking algorithms make decisions. We're thinking about how to do that without informing bad faith actors, how to manipulate our systems to artificially amplify a tweet's reach into places like replies trends might be a way to earn trust. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it didn't work out so well. Anyway, um, kind of shitty. I, I, I kind of like Jack and I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see how it is. Okay. Sorry, I just had to re replenish myself here. Um, okay. I thought I had a few more bookmarks kind of wanted to look at. Uh, Jack's was in there. Um, that has nothing to do with anything. Oh, hey, why is she in my Twitter feed? Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to pull some clips. That's a few of these I, really, I wanted to get to this week. Um, so I did all the, those kind of things, the Twitter files. It'll be interesting to see what else is coming up. And by the way, um, uh, Spud says, yes, there's a, there was enough little hints and warning signs combined with the motivation for the state to act as in this regard. Anyone that was defending the state or big tech is being willfully ignorant. Yes. I, I agree. In my opinion, as she ends it there. Um, let's go here. <laughs> FTX. Do I want to get into that? I, I, I tweeted out this morning that I think uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is either a plant that was uh, intentionally put into place to ruin uh, some sort of big crypto company. And, and you, you kind of wonder because of his whole lefty, harsh, progressive environment that he really pushed out for this for so long. Uh, or if now he's using regulation as some sort of... Uh, way to to excuse all of hey I, I i wasn't regulated this is the problem and uh it could be some of both um i think though he i just heard this morning that he's supposed to be uh, testifying for congress uh and i think you're going to see him be that person now he's going to talk nothing and he has been already nothing but non-stop um ftx uh, non-regulated crypto space blah 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 and um you know we dave smith actually did a great breakdown with robbie um, and I was going to actually play, let's, you know, we got plenty of time today. I'm 40 minutes in, but I'm, I'm going to just keep kicking through here. Uh, David says FTX is a fraction reserve crypto. Yes, David, I'm going to get to that. Um, JC says, and I'm not, uh, I'm proofreading these by the way, they're either not self-aware enough or they just don't care. Most people just aren't, most people aren't autistic like us and don't care about cognitive dissidence, perhaps. He's definitely a plant. I tweeted that last night and his whole family is sketch. Um, and he's got horrible hair. Let's uh, not be beat around the bush on that. This is just a scam to get his parents more business. Could be. Um, okay. I was going to initially play my thread, my uh, comments on uh, the Porcupine podcast, because uh, I thought I, I broke some things down there pretty good. But um, maybe maybe we'll hold off on that. And first of all, see what, uh, what Dave and Robbie are. Um, okay. Hang on. Let me bring this in. They, they talked about this, which I thought was a, a good, oops, here. So what happens? See, I could, David, I could use a uh, producer. 
I'm just not going to use you. Oh, did I say porcupine tree? Uh, <laughs> porcupine podcast. Uh, porcupine tree, good stuff, by the way. So uh, go check them out. They're a good group. Okay, here we go. About fractional reserve banking. Let me know if you, you know, A lot this. of the customers on FTX did have, you know, borrowers either, you know, in dollars or Bitcoin or, or euros. But as you know, the FTX terms of service yep. tell the people who signed up, none of the digital assets in your account are the Sorry. property of or shall be or may be loaned to FTX trading. But you're saying that happened. My understanding is a few things happened. The first is, is, is pause right here? No. Now, this is where the, you're uh, saying his defense is going to be tough for him to prove it. This is where he's in trouble. Right. That it very clearly says in his terms, like, this is the agreement that he was making. Was that, no, it's like, your, none of your money will be uh, used in this way, and then it was. So, anyway, let's keep playing. The thing is, a few things happen. The first is there is a margin trading facility on FTX, by which users can lend out funds, by which other users borrow funds. And so, there are explicit cases where there is, you know, margin extended, where there is borrow lending. If yep. Alameda is borrowing the money that belongs yep. to FTX depositors... I, I got it talk about that real quick. Okay. Margin trading, in case you don't understand, it's to break it down from a stock trading perspective or, or even this other perspective. Um, you've got, when you buy stock in the marketplace, it's actually held much like uh, crypto stuff held uh, there, the custodian, whoever's holding it, the, the brokerage firm, uh, whatever, FTX in this case, they are holding it and they have the ability to do what's called hypothecate hold and sell your shares out to someone else to short, whatnot, whatever, borrow against it. Uh, and then, then so you can do it that way. And then also you can borrow against these shares uh, leverage. So um, you have equity in these shares or this crypto. And at some point you're actually able to, like your house, your house goes up, you have equity in there. You then take a second line of, of uh, credit out against it. That's the kind of the idea that you're looking at here. Uh, However, those things fluctuate much more than your house does, right? So what you're going to do if that's the case, different types of stocks are allowed to have a certain amount of equity be, fall below. Typically, it's like 35% on stocks at least until they are coined to say you either need to bring more cash in or we're going to liquidate. Okay, that's the kind of thing here. I think crypto, I don't know the numbers, but I believe it's much less than like a 35%. The problem you had when the big market crash in the what late 19, early 1900s that everyone talks about, which spurred on the Securities and Exchange Act of what, 1933, um, you had... I think stocks could go down to somewhere around five, 10%. I don't remember the exact number, but you have leverage. And then once you have that, you're, you're borrowing more to buy more shares on margin and then buy more shares on margin. And then when those margin calls come due, the market starts to crash, you bring in cash, you start to sell. Those That selling spurs and just ignites more selling in the market and it's a complete crash. So the equity was allowed to go a lot lower and they raised that up. And then even different stocks, some were like 50%, some were like 75%, depending on what they are. I don't know the exact uh, details for crypto and what they're allowed to do on that. However, he's mentioning here that um, even though they can trade on margin, they must have had some sort of agreement with their users that they were not going to do that. And then they had a margin allowance to do as well. So I don't know if they're separate but to me, that's that's uh, that's an interesting part of it. Let's keep going. That's a bright red line, isn't it? There are a lot of for a second. That's actually sure. I just want to say objectively, one of the things that's very funny about this is that when everyone's so shocked about the borrowing of depositor money, that's fractional reserve banking. So yeah. it's funny every time you see one of these clips and people are shocked. How could you engage in this fraud? Let's understand that that is the fraud of the banking system, but the stupidity of allowing 
banks that are not by the Fed to essentially hold your funds and engage in fractional reserve banking. At least when you do it with the Fed, there's horrific problems. It costs us all money over time. The thing will explode at some point, but you do have the security of the fact that it's backed by the Fed. You start doing fractional reserve banking away from the Fed, and we can all know that's not going to work out. Well, it's, it's, see, this but, is exactly what I was going to say, and I'm so yeah. glad like you picked up on the same exact thing. There's something, there's something really funny and entertaining about this to me, that if any non-government entity is doing the same thing, everyone sees it so clear for what it is. You're like, oh, but that's fraud. You can't just fucking do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just like take people's assets and then lend that out to other people and then say, like, they, and they had no idea you were doing that. It's like, obviously, obviously this is going to crash. This is going to be a disaster. But it's literally what the Federal Reserve does. Uh, excuse me. This is what the big banks do. And it's all backed up by the Federal Reserve. Is that for people who don't know, it's just very simply, fractional reserve banking just refers to the um, what your bank actually puts away. Like when you open a checking account or a savings account, in most people's mind, they think of it as a, because the term is bank, that they've put their money in a bank and the bank is holding your money. But that's not true. The bank holds a tiny fraction uh, in reserves. I think now, didn't they lower it to like nothing at this point? <laughs> I don't even think there are any fractional reserve standards anymore. But basically, for the longest time, it was 10% of your money they would hold on to. And the other 90% they loaned out. Now, it gets even crazier when you realize continuously yes, get lent out. The, the ripple effect of this. So just for example, right, let's say, um, uh, by the way, you can see the uh, fractional reserve banking issue similar to uh, the margin trading even. Uh, the, there's some differences there. Now, the banking uh, in, the, in the Federal Reserve, they've got interbank transfers and they've got a, I don't understand all of it. I've, I've, I've been schooled on it at some point. Uh, David, I'm not actually sure of your question here. Let's go back to here. Um, are you free banking or 100% reserve banking kind of guy? I don't like to pay for my banking. Is that what you mean? <laughs> it need to be understood. Uh, reserve requirements have been zero since May. Yeah, so that is a problem. People don't understand that. So if there was a rush on the bank, it would just it wouldn't happen. That'd be a problem. So that's that's obviously that, that is a big problem. We are not big onto a, a banking mechanic. I love banking mechanics. Good for you. Um, no, I'm banking. I, I'm more into trading stuff. So I, I really I used to do this a lot and I still do. Um, but I mean, I used, that was my job, uh, trade trade disputes and stuff uh, for a brokerage firm. Um, so I'm not sure um, what you mean exactly, David, by uh, free banking. Maybe I'm not so big onto that, uh, but I will check out Bob Murphy's book. I've got choice back here and um, chaos theory. So I'll, I'll get back into those. Whatever it is, you know, I open a checking account with a thousand dollars, right? So they now take that uh, account and they they put a uh, hundred dollars away and they lend nine hundred dollars to Rob. So now Rob gets a loan of nine hundred dollars. But like most people, Rob uh, doesn't, you know, like if you're talking about a big loan, Rob doesn't just hold that money in cash. Rob puts it in the bank, right? Because now he's got this money in his bank account. So he puts $900 in a bank. And now they put 90 of those dollars away and they lend out $810 to Brian. Now Brian has $800. He put $810. He puts that in the bank. And what do they do? They put $81 uh, away in reserves and then they loan out. Right? And so it keeps going over and over and over again. And you get up to this point where there's like $10,000 out there. There's all of us who all think we have this money, but all that actually exists is the $1,000, the original, that's just on the first thousand. And right. all of these people out there think they have way more money. And then basically the, the argument is that it set, it sends these price signals into the market. Like there's way more money than there is. And if anyone ever wanted, and you used to have this all the Okay, I'm not gonna go down. I think that's uh, pretty much what we wanted from there. Uh, but um, it makes sense. Um, there was another, uh, I, I'm not a big fan, by the way, of Cyprian 
but he was on with Schellenberger with on Hotep Jesus. And I actually, I didn't get through all of it, but I thought there were some really interesting parts. And part of it is because I think Schellenberger is an honest person, broker in a sense, not, not a broker in the sense that we're doing here, but uh, as far as <laughs> stockbroker or anything, uh, an honest dealer of his ideas. And he, he truly tries to get to the bottom of it. That's why he has somewhat of a lefty, doesn't you know, he wrote this book, San Francisco, which is fantastic, by the way, nearby me here in San Francisco, about the ruin. And he ran for governor um, and, you know, didn't come close because um, he would ruin a lot of the, uh, the oligarchy that we have here. And, you know, Gavin Newsom, we did a thing with Brian McWilliams talking about um, his homeless stuff back 13 years ago. And he was, this was my biggest issue and you're a piece of shit for all that. Um, let's see what uh, the... the the plebs are talking about here. Kate says SBF's dad writes bills for Elizabeth Warren about filing taxes and ways to stop tax evasion. Ironic. Ugh, I hate that. I, I mean, I love tax evasion. Um, understanding money mechanics is good. Free banking would essentially allowing banks to do whatever they feel is best with no requirements laid by the, any agency. Probably that'd be fine. Um, I don't know. I need to look into that further. Um, JC says the arguments against free banking are theoretical. The arguments supporting free banking are empirical based on hundreds of years of evidence. Okay. I don't know. Um, Coffeezilla did the best interview so far with SBF. Someone else told me that Adam um, on Twitter, um, not uh, Adam Parky Nutter guy, but a uh, different Adam. And uh, I don't know anything about Coffeezilla. Uh, other than I just saw that he was on Lex, so I assumed he was someone I wouldn't want to watch, but uh, I've been told um, no. Um, okay, let's go to this. I, I thought this was an interesting clip here, uh, and I don't remember why. Uh, I just <laughs> put it in my list of stuff. So we are going to see together what I thought was interesting uh, earlier this week. Okay, let's go. End of the month when I pay it, I don't have to pay three times more than what it was. But on Bitcoin, if I had bought it um, in December, in November, 2021, I would have lost uh, at least two thirds of my value. So it doesn't seem to me like it's like Visa at all. And not only that, but I can go and use my Visa card to buy any, buy basically anything I want at almost any place in the world. How many people are taking Bitcoin? This and is, why would they? Why would they if the value is going to fluctuate by you know threefold over uh, a year? This is absolutely correct. What you've said here. These are these are incredibly revealing uh, questions. So the first thing to answer to you is the the native currencies. And I've said this for years, by the way. And I teach. This is what I teach, right? And this is what I write about. The native currencies are not money. Will never be money. Are not currency. Will never be currency. Right, so this the BTC, BCH, ETH. Now in the Ethereum community, they know that that's the case, right? BTC, what has happened? I often I, I say that the best analog for this is like the, the settlement of the West. Um, the BTC, that narrative about BTC being money is is religious in nature. About those satoshis that they will someday be money is religious, and it, it was a religious maxim that was needed in the early days. Just like who were the most successful people in the West before the railroads were laid Jeez. down? The Mormons. Oh. Sorry. No wow. question. They almost had their own country that encompassed the entire West, right? They were, before the railroads were laid down, the, the Mormons were in control of the West. Why? Because it's a harsh environment. You need to have very cohesive values about what you're going to do. The problem is when things evolve and you get more information, if you can't move beyond that, you've got a problem. So the first thing is the volatility. Correct. No merchants will accept it because of volatility. That's why we who are doing this moved away from that years ago. 
talking about Bitcoin. As, so here, what we use currency. is we use Bitcoin-based stablecoins. The best way to view the native currencies, like a, a BTC, a BCH, an ETH, is to view them as a commodity, to view them like oil. And ET, ETH actually calls it properly. They call it gas, right? So if you're going to have a decentralized network, you need to have some means of accessing that network that's completely democratic. In other words, you've got to have the, the gas that moves it along. You've got to have the access token. And so what miners are actually doing is they're mining the required access token that I need to pay for my transaction. So my transaction has to be paid for like a stamp. Think of it kind of like a stamp, right? So that's fundamentally what this is. But what you do is you build abstractions on top. So Tether, which is the global reserve cryptocurrency, if you look at the 24-hour volume of USDT, if you sort by volume on CoinMarketCap, it has more volume than BTC and ETH combined. It is the global reserve cryptocurrency. That started in 2014. That was first minted on BTC on the... Okay, I just thought that was some some interesting stuff we can talk about. Um, the uh, the bald guy looks familiar. I think he was once. Uh, <laughs> no, that's the different bald guy. Um, uh, Phelps said uh, Cyprian. Ugh, I, I totally agree. But I thought this look. This is what uh, was confusing to me was um, we've we've all seen Cyprian. <clears throat> I, I was a big fan. I enjoyed his stuff early on and he moves to Saipan or where it is. And I thought it was very interesting. He's, he's interesting. Then he gets with Matt and then suddenly, and then he's tucking on Dave. And it's not that he took on Dave that I had a problem. It was kind of when he started going with Matt and you're, you're hearing these two talk and they say a lot about nothing, just absolutely nothing. I don't really care about their religious shit. And a lot of these things are, I don't care. But when he's talking about Bitcoin, I'm interested because he, he's, Maybe it's a topic he knows he's better on. So I, and the other ones, I just feel like he doesn't. So he has a lot of filler. I don't care about his religious stuff at all, but uh, this thing uh, was actually, um, was good stuff. Um, I'm actually going to record a, uh, a video on Bitcoin after this. Okay. I didn't know. Did you still have a podcast, Dave? I'll check it out. Send it to me. Um, okay. I want to play this. This is a, this is, um, how do I say this here? Um, let's get this one. My wife. When I met her, um, she was somewhat libertarian and more than me, I guess. And then I came to that uh, and she listens to this morning show here. Uh, it's called Armstrong and Getty in, in Sacramento. And they, they, they're on, I don't know, seven, ten different uh, stations, maybe or more uh, throughout the nation. They're pretty good. They uh, they used to be even more libertarian. They're more kind of like conservatarian types. Uh, there's some things about them that kind of bother me at times. Uh, but for the most part, they're, they're really pretty good. Um, this is a, an interview they did with Tim Sandifer. So I don't know if you know who Tim Sandifer is. He works, uh, kind of a Cato like, okay. Um, he's a, he's a, he's an economist. No, he's a, he's a lawyer. That's right. He works at, um, I'm trying to remember the, the Institute out in Arizona. They do a lot of good work. Uh, so he did, he was on, he used to be on the show all the time they called him Tim, the lawyer, and he kind of blew up. He writes books, um, but he is kind of your orange pilled, not quite red, not quite blue <laughs> libertarian. Um, so anyway, I thought, I thought this was a, an interesting, uh, few bits of, uh, an, inter an interview with him. But deadly sins, right? It's not a, just a sin, not a, Hey, I wish you wouldn't do that. It's a death. Yeah. So it's not only just bad for you. It's a sin. God does not like God gluttony. Right. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm displeased with me. Yeah, me too. I'm speaking to myself. Let's, let's just tone down the gluttony. I ate the last big plateful of. Mashed get, potatoes, get the, points, the great resigning, or whatever they call that. <laughs>
Uh, so uh, here, here's a young man who's slim and in fine uh, physical condition, not to mention a uh, sharp mind, and that's Tim Sanford, Tim the lawyer. Tim Sanford is the vice president for litigation for the Goldwater Institute, author of many fine tomes, including some of my favorites, The Right to Earn a Living and The Permission Society, uh, and, and also a brand new book, which we'll talk to him about. Uh, K, uh, JC, I, I've just got to say, I've never met people more proud of their humility than post-libertarian crowd. Oh my God. I don't know if you heard me say this the other day, but that's a phrase I, I had, a, uh, I was on this, uh, Adam Choate. Okay. Uh, people we love podcast. I, if you want to know the ins and outs of Tyler Yonke, uh, a little behind the scenes stuff and a little bit stuff about me from a young, young childhood through whatever, not this is libertarian stuff. Uh, go check it out because he does a, a dive on me pretty deep. I mentioned in there, I think it was on the podcast, but I've said this, I had this professor in college, okay, a religious, a religion professor, and he, I used to say about him uh, that I've never found someone so proud of his humility. He always talked all the time about how humble he was. So JC, to see someone else uh, using that term uh, warms my heart, and um, I think that's that's pretty good. Especially PQ, as you can lick my, oh, what? A, <laughs> okay, let's go back to this. This is a good interview in a couple of minutes. But Tim, how are you? Welcome. Uh, I don't know, man. I think I may have uh, indulged in a little of that gluttony myself over Thanksgiving. Yes. I know you're you not know, uh, frightened by your maker, but it's not always in the best health for all. Uh, Spud Ruckus, this is called um, Armstrong and Getty. They're, they're on in the mornings from 6 a.m. Pacific to 10, four hours. They also put it up on a podcast. It's, it's a talk radio show, but they're, they're, they're more libertarian than not. So the great thing about them for me is I listen to talk radio all the time. I'd start dating. Girls don't like talk radio. They want to listen to their Beyonce or some other shit. Uh, I meet my wife and she listens to this talk radio show in the morning, which so did I. And I was like, what, what do you, what do you got going here? So every morning we wake up right now and we listen to this uh, and she listens to him every day. Um, if you're a fan of Armstrong and Getty, you're a fag, um, a faggot is Friend of Armstrong and Getty for over 10 years. Faggot, I think that's what it is. They're pretty funny. The quote that is my opening about the guy or the ending about uh, I'll keep fucking that chicken. That's something that the, they, they played on their show once. So uh, anyway, <laughs> we went to we, went, we spent Thanksgiving in Hawaii. So uh, I am I am now officially with the Hawaiians called a Pua'a or pig. <laughs> gorged myself at the luau. So, hey, by the way, I saw that post on your Twitter at you and your and in, in your wedding anniversary and the picture. Of you and Christine on the couch as a Simpsons drawing? Where'd you come up with that? That was awesome. I don't know. My wife contacted the artist and got that done Simpsons-style portrait of our family uh, sitting on the Simpsons couch. It's absolutely perfect. It would go well on my wall. That is so cool. Wow, that is a cool gift. Yeah, indeed. So, Tim, we have a lot of stuff to talk to you about. A couple of big cases, uh, one that you've been working on personally, and then your new book is out, and we want to talk to you about that. But let's uh, let's uh, first bring the gavel down and talk about uh, the cases. Now, for instance, you were working on an Indian Child Welfare Act case. We've talked to you about it, but for folks not familiar with it, give them the thumbnail sketch, if you would. That's a federal... That, that, that... By the way, I, I, I had a, a whole podcast I was going to do just on this. This is, to me, a fascinating thing, and I'll break it down real quick and then let him talk about it. But when we're doing, I do family law, so anytime I'm doing something with paternity, uh, one of the first things you've got to check the box off of, of not, is do these, is this child have any Indian descent? If they are, you're in a completely different context of laws, Okay. Uh, which is fine then, and he'll describe it here, but just to, so just to, to lay this out, um, if your child is somewhat, or if you have, you know, a certain percentage of Indian blood in you, 
you're subject to a little bit different uh, rules uh, here for family law. Law is a federal law that says how states have to treat child welfare cases like abuse and neglect and adoption and foster care if a child is biologically eligible for membership in an Indian tribe. So it draws this biological distinction between kids and says that states have to treat these Indian children differently. And what's amazing about it is it says they have to treat these Indian children worse because this law actually overrides the best interest of the child rule, which is the rule that governs how these kinds of cases are dealt with, and it forces state officials to send Indian children back to abused homes in situations that would not happen if the kids were white or black or Asian or Hispanic or whatever. And as a result, this law has led to the preventable murder of Indian children across the country in case after case after case. So we've been challenging the constitutionality of this law, and that case went to the U.S. Supreme Court and was argued a couple of weeks ago. I went out to D.C. to, uh, to attend these oral arguments. It was a very exciting thing to witness. Well, what was, what's the argument for, for the status quo? Because it sounds horrifically racist. It, it really is, but the, the... By the way, it is. David, I don't know the percentage. Um, I'd have to look back into that. It's probably a small percentage. Uh, probably Elizabeth Warren-type numbers. Um, the, the reason to begin with was we want to basically, if they're going through a divorce, let's say um, dad's Indian, mom's not, they get married, they have a kid, uh, now they're separating. They want to make sure that, that child, maybe dad dies, and mom's, and this is kind of the idea, mom has, they want to make, well... That's maybe the other way. Uh, they want to make sure that the tribe has some sort of say over this child's upbringing and well-being. The problem, and I think the case between the Supreme Court now, is more along the lines of dad Indian, mom not, dad dies. Does the tribe then have the power and the right to just take that child from mom? The Supreme Court is going to make that decision. But uh, as of right now, I think that's the way that the, the law would run. Reasoning behind it at the time was actually they, they thought they were doing a good thing because in the decades that preceded its passage, which was in 1978, states and federal officials had been engaged in this pro program of purposely taking Indian children away from their families in order to forcibly assimilate them with white society. And so that, that was like, you know, taking kids. OK, so there you go. That was the original intent was taking kids from the tribe to assimilate them to white society i.e. a better life okay yeah. away from their families for no good reason sorry and so they said well how can we stop this from happening and so they passed this law intending to put an end to that but as almost seems to almost always happen the government went too far the other direction and ended up passing a law that actually prohibits states from protecting these children nowadays in many yeah. cases wow that's just the results are unthinkable and just the the logic strikes or the lack of logic is so troubling um, but so that it's been argued and, you know, it's difficult to, to say how it went, but how'd it go? Oh, it went pretty well. It was it was four hours of oral argument, which is incredibly long. Ooh. I mean, that's like 19th century style back when they used to take all day. And the uh, the justices were all very attentive to the uh, very complicated constitutional questions here, because it's not just that it's race based. It's also what are the limits between federal and state authority and what are the what are the regulations say? There's a lot of parts of the law that actually aren't defined. So nobody really knows what some of these terms mean and things. So it went back and forth. There were some really good arguments on both sides. I'm optimistic. I think that the argument went pretty well for us. I, I'm predicting it'll be a 5-4. I think it'll be close, but I think it, I, I'm optimistic that this case is going to, to declare this law unconstitutional and force Congress to say, look, with, without regard to, to children's race, we need to prioritize their best interests. can't say, you know, like this law basically prohibits white adults from adopting Indian children. Children who are in need, don't, they, they're not interested in color lines. They need protection and help. And this law is a law that says that even when there are adults willing to help children in need, they're not allowed to if they're the wrong race. And that's really outrageous. How, how much of the uh, the oral arguments was that new chatty Supreme Court justice just talks too much? <laughs>
yeah, there there was a little bit of that. It wasn't too much. But, you know, after four hours, I think we were all so exhausted that when actually it was funny that Chief Justice said, oh, thank you. The case is submitted, which means everybody's done. Well, one of the lawyers had not had his chance to, to finish up his argument. So he stood there with this funny look on his face until the Chief Justice said, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And he went up to the podium and he said, I take the hint, Your Honor. And <laughs> as as you could be. <laughs> yeah. By the way, four hours of oral seems a bit. Uh... Oh, wow. Wow. OK, let's talk about another case that I was asking about a few weeks ago uh, that had to do with enforcing laws against uh, public camping, blocking sidewalks, etc. in Phoenix as, uh, you know, every it need not be reset, but everybody. In every- By the way, this perfectly aligns because I've got a tweet here from Ace Arcist that I'm going to put up. Uh, I don't really care. Toad goes after him all the time about uh, children, tranny stuff. I don't know. Whatever. Um, childless uh, men arguing over kids. Let's just be honest about that. I love Toad, but whatever. Uh, however, Ace then puts up a tweet that uh, I'm much against, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Every blue city in the country and some of the purple cities is dealing with this horrific influx of, of junkie camps everywhere. What's that case about? Yeah. Unfortunately, Phoenix is now the, the location of one of the largest homeless encampments in the country. Over a thousand people who are living in what we call the zone on several blocks of downtown Phoenix in tents and on the streets because of a city policy to refuse to enforce laws against vagrancy and camping and pollution and these sorts of things. And as a result, it's destroying the businesses in the area. These people who, who are trying to run a business in these several blocks that are now being occupied by the homeless, are, they're, they're finding that they can't, have, they can't hire people to work in these businesses. They can't protect the safety of their employees. They can't even protect their own businesses from, from, from arson. They're, these people are setting fires to stay warm now that it's getting colder. Yet one person testified at a recent hearing that he had to have all the, wheel, the windows in the building sealed because of all the urine no. soaking into the, to the place where he works because of these homeless encampments. So uh, several business owners have filed suit in the, the state courts here challenging the, the city's maintenance of a public nuisance. A nuisance is, you know, when you use your property in a way that damages somebody else's property. And the government's not allowed to run a nuisance any more than anybody else is. And by maintaining this homeless encampment now for, for a couple of years now and, attra- and basically attracting this, this element to the community to destroy people's property, the city is engaged in a nuisance. Now, unfortunately, we had a hearing several weeks ago, and then the case got reassigned to a new judge. So now we have... By the way, and I'm going to get into this uh, here in a little bit more depth. Uh, I love what they're doing. The city is is now um, basically a, a doing a nuisance. Okay, they are a, they're not standing. And so I'm going to have some issues. Um, Phobe said, uh, prior, "Let's go back up here." Ace is shit or this shit? I don't know. Um, uh, Spud says, "Oh, oh wow." And okay, uh, maybe they're talking about some personal stuff. Do I need to look back here? Oh, okay. My oldest son's half Cherokee, and I've literally never heard of any of this. And we went to, uh, okay, well, good. I, I, sometimes it's best to just be ignorant and to ignore it, okay? Because uh, this this could uh, might have ruined your life, quite literally, okay? I have no to do a final and poli sci class on Creative 101. I think that's what the company was called, uh, Creative 303, okay? 303, uh, by the way, David, is the area code for Denver, Okay, that is why it is this case you're talking about. I listened to the entire arguments, <clears throat> by the way, of the Supreme Court. Uh, Creative 303, uh, basically what you're looking at here. Uh, way to fucking derail me, David. Um, you have the cake baker case, okay? The the make a gay cake that came through and, and that they were too maybe narrow on their determination as to what that was. So then this person comes out. There's no... To make it ripe, and what that means is that the, the court can actually rule on this. They ask for a declaratory judgment, basically a, a statement by the courts 
is if they did such and such, would it be legal? And they can ask the Supreme, or they could ask the courts, the local courts, and it worked its way on up for an answer as to what this ruling would be. Okay. And that's exactly what happened. So this person says, I want to make uh, websites, personalized websites. Now, by the way, this makes me feel that there is a lot going on here that is maybe you're, you need a judge, you need some sort of answer from this. And uh, certain groups are pushing this person to do this. You got to be, you know, legit business. Creative 303 is the business. Uh, it's a website design and they do specific stuff. They don't just do like a Wix type of website where it's plug and play. They do the script for you and she doesn't want to do uh, any kind of um, uh, gay marriage stuff. So it's completely done on the grounds of uh, free speech. Uh, there, so then there's a ton, there's like 10 pages of stipulated facts. So the parties came together all through this and they stipulated on this fact is this, this is this, I'm going to create this website. I'm going to do this. And both parties stipulated to this. So it comes to the court. Supreme court has this, by the way, uh, some of the lefty judges are embarrassing. Okay. It's, it's a, uh, it, it, if you think you're, you're, you're not smart enough to be whatever, sometimes you got to just listen to all these, uh, especially the new one. Uh, and, uh, there's, I don't know if she tries to tie it into, it's a wonderful life, but it was somewhat of an embarrassing kind of uh, statement there. So I, I, listening to it, I mean, I think, uh, the way it's going to come down kind of on the, the narrow specifics, it's not even religious. It's on, uh, the ability for you to speak freely. And this is kind of the things that needed to be carved out. What it really breaks down to me is you got this realization and the arguments there, and you can't push back against things that are, you know, um, set in law, like the Civil Rights Act of what, 65 or 64. That you can't just say, well, this is bullshit because they keep asking kind of accommodation things and things that were kind of go down that. And, and all I keep thinking is if, if we just got rid of the Civil Rights Act, people could just do whatever they wanted. Just do what you want. Who cares if you're, you know, Kanye West and you don't want to serve Jews? Everyone is going to know that. They're going to know that and they're going to go there and it's not going to be much of a problem. Anyway, so um, that's that's the whole idea. David, if you need some help on that, uh, let me know. Um, let's finish this up. We have another hearing next week uh, seeking a court order commanding the city to start enforcing its own laws. Well, obviously, this could have f- far reaching consequences if it goes the correct way to my mind i don't know where you draw the line at nuisance but maybe that would finally be the way you break up these camps right that's that's right and in fact there is one precedent already in place remember when when uh, uh, i think it was portland they were operated what they called chaz or chop or whatever the the, the yeah, Seattle. Seattle. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah to set up the this uh, autonomous community zone in the middle of the city and refuse to enforce the law there as a result a lot of people suffered their their property was being destroyed and taken away from them. so they sued the city and the, the federal court allowed that case to go forward saying that that was a taking of their property without due process of law so there is precedent on the book that says that when the government just completely uh, washes its hands of its obligation to enforce the law and protect people's property rights then it can be liable for depriving people of their constitutional rights yeah that's interesting because i know i know business owners who who feel like they can't they don't get near the, as many customers as they would normally get because it's so hard right. to get to their front door and what's so frustrating for us, the largely law-abiding, is that uh, they're violating sewage laws, they're violating camping laws, they're violating drug use laws, and just there's 
a lack of political will, or I should say, putting in the affirmative, there's a political will to ignore the law. Unlicensed yeah. dogs off leash. I mean, it's endless. Oh, sure. Refusing yeah. to enforce the, the laws against pollution. It's Bitches illegal in Arizona to pollute the, the public waterways. Well, this zone is within walking distance of the Salt River. People are urinating and defecating on the streets and the sidewalk, and that when it rains, that runs off into the river. Well, no private party would be allowed to do that, and the city isn't allowed to do that either. I was kind of surprised when you said it's been going on for years, because when you first said 1,000 people, I thought, well, can't you just wait till summer? It'll take, kind of take care of itself, but it's been going on for years. What, how, do, how do you stay in one of those places in the summertime? Good Lord. I, 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 I can't imagine. And, of course, in the winter, yeah. they're going to start setting even more fires than they currently are, which sets fires to the tents a lot of the time and starts to burn down the buildings. And we're talking about these buildings are these, – these uh, tents are basically situated between the main campus of Arizona State University and the State Capitol Building in Phoenix. So you're talking about uh, places we would really rather not have violent crime and arson going on. Well, listen, I want to leave uh, time for a discussion of Tim's brand new book. And I'm sorry, I didn't get to his book there. But um, yeah, let's let the, the, the crime and all that be just only solely uh, allowed in the state capitol. That's <laughs> that's where we should do, do that. Uh, okay, so I, I, I got to get to a few comments here. Ace is the shit. I don't know about that. Uh, property, private property solves this problem. Yes, it would. That's been my uh, answer. And I talked about this. I think it was on a different podcast as well. I was like, we already have something in place. It's called private property rights. Uh, However, um, you know, Clint, by the way, we just went over his podcast with that uh, drooling uh, leftist. And uh, Clint made a great point, which I think was um, something I need to incorporate here. And I'm doing it right now, which is he would love to defend his own property. Okay. And if he's not able to, then the government should be coming in to do it if they're not allowing him to do it himself. That's exactly what we have. A lot of these businesses, they're not, like California. If you are not, and then by the way, this homeless thing and what uh, Tim Sandifer uh, talks about in Arizona is even fivefold probably more disgusting and, and problematic here in California where I'm at. Uh, you may not see it in your state. Maybe Ace doesn't see it in his uh, sidewalk. So that's not that he's going to say what he's going to. I'm going to show you here in a little bit. Um, but if you have a business and your sidewalk and your own business, you're not able to protect it. Okay. Because the government is not letting you then fuck you for saying that, uh, you shouldn't be able to enforce the government to do so. And, 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 you know, so you want the government to do it. Now, Tim Sandifer's idea as a libertarian attorney is like, fine, then you are creating a nuisance and we're going to sue the shit out of you. And we're going to get you to enforce this thing. And they've had luck doing this, and good for them for doing that. And I appreciate that, and uh, hopefully going forward. Um, okay, Benzo says, I've heard about it, but I thought it was regulated to tribal lands. Nope. Um, check out the, the Supreme Court case. Maybe I'll do a podcast just on that. Hey, Tyler, did you notice Slurp Gang came back? No ace, though. I did notice, of course, a podcast review. Um, and maybe I should talk about that a little bit. Um, once again, they used to have the best open in podcasts, except for me. I just love the, the song that they had and the way that they paused with Tom Woods coming in there, uh, shit show or whatever you're talking about. Um, it's, um, it's not quite the same. Just saying that. Do I, and by the way, uh, some of those guys, they, they all blocked me when I <laughs> mentioned their show once. Uh, and I didn't say that they were number one. So they, I guess they're a little bit, uh, pussy hurt. I love Nick. He's about the only the other ones. That Jay guy, I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll clip this and, and do something. But man, he's annoying. Um, so maybe I need to get back into it. Uh, Benzo says I've never heard of this. Basically, uh, universal in all things regarding child. Okay, I don't. Yeah, so I went through, didn't tell me shit. Um, Spud said, "A uh, gross." I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't ignored until the plague breaks out. Not even being hyperbolic. Don't know what that's about. Uh, Ace is awesome. Agree with him on ninety five percent of his takes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I thought Lorenzo was your oldest son. Okay. I don't, 
<laughs> Question is whether public property should be treated as free ground or like a reasonable property owner would. Okay. I, I, I accept that, but that's not even what we're really talking about here in a lot of sense. When you're having these businesses and the sidewalk, they're not even to be able to protect. How many videos have you seen? And David, I could probably send them to you where people just come into a store in California, steal stuff and walk out. Uh, we had that uh, bodega owner in New York that decided I'm going to stand up to this. I'm going to shiv the guy or whatever. He gets arrested. This is the kind of shit that goes on. So as Clint said, if you're not able to protect your own property, then these people better do it. And if they're not going to do it now, what are you going to do? You're going to have Ace yelling at you. Yes. Uh, probably uh, going to do that. Uh, diversity hire. Okay. That's got to catch up here. Um, yeah, the title says freedom of speech versus freedom from discrimination. I imagine you're talking about the 303. Um, is it worth the whole episode on progressive prosecutors? It is worth a whole episode. Yeah, I, I should probably do something like that. <clears throat> I'll be going to Rothbard on this. That's what David says. Okay. But my racism. Um, essentially, okay, David says, basically, I had to write a judgment on creative 303, and I'll be throwing out the Civil Rights Act based on the Ninth Amendment. Well done. Um the 19th Amendment, 14th? What about the 14th? Uh, maybe it's the 14th, David. Um, everything in HR, <clears throat> managerialism, property rights, um, to everything from HR, managerialism, to property rights violations, etc. cetera. Um, okay, uh, let's get to, that's what JC said. I'm not, maybe I didn't follow. I, I took a while to, to catch back up, so maybe that's my problem. Okay, let's go to this one. This is what Ace has. So <clears throat> here's this tweet it's this guy um la guy for some local uh news magazine uh, he said an unhoused man right there you're, you've already got problems okay an unhoused man who just got off work so he has a job lost everything during a sweep in westlake when he returned to his tent and lapd officers refused to let him retrieve his belongings they were tossed so okay this is not this is the public <laughs> And Ace, here's what Ace said. Uh, those men are nothing more than thieves. Uh, fuck you, first of all. And I, I mean that with all due respect, because um, no, that's not the case. Um, I am sorry, but here's where we've got to the point. And you just heard the, the, the litigation going on and the, the community and it has. It, there's, there's a problem here, okay? This is not a guy that has every right to be where he's at. Finally, maybe it's due to the lawsuit that we're talking about. LA, I'm, I don't know if they have similar ones, but they're trying to finally remove these people. Uh, where are they going to go? I don't know. But part of the problem, Ace, that you're going to have to maybe acknowledge is let's get to the root always, which is public funds helping people be in this position. Look at all this stuff. Why is it uh, situated here? If he has a job, I know housing sucks. Okay. It's high cost to live in California. Then maybe don't live here, but he's living here for a reason, which means he's getting a lot of public assistance. <clears throat> that's the problem you have it, over $35,000, $50,000 you can get in public assistance easily. So um, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for this situation right here. And then to say that these guys are thieves, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just posted out something about uh, it was Australia and this police officers come in and they're taking the child away from her mom because the mom won't vaccinate this baby. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, back the blue against the wall. Okay, that's kind of the thing. Those guys shouldn't be doing this. Maybe you're saying these guys are doing the same thing. I don't know. If you were able to enforce your own private, and people are like, oh, well, this is the private sidewalk, uh, a public sidewalk. Maybe uh, that's the issue. 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't want my business down there. And I know not everything's, you know, fantasy world. And I'm going to sound post-libertarian here, but I don't agree with those guys either. Uh, living in a fantasy world of, and uh, uh, and or uh, <laughs> whatever else we got going on here. But I'm sorry, um, you do have a right if you have a business. I mean, look, this is an undeveloped area here, probably because this guy's uh, side, and, and it's a tough situation. But the policies that we have in place don't help this situation. And no, these guys aren't anything but thieves. Um, this guy is, let's go, let's go down the, the, the property rights angle, okay? You have a right, you have no right to privacy if it's not on your own land. So you have your own house, you have garbage cans. If they're on the street, police, CIA, FBI, not CIA, they don't have jurisdiction, can come in and they can look and rummage through your trash because that is now no expectation of privacy. You don't have it boarded up. It's outside your curtilage, as you say in law. This guy, I'm sorry, he doesn't have a house, but does he have an expectation of privacy to do this? No, he doesn't have any kind of property rights in this area. He hasn't homesteaded this because it's not uh, available. Now, uh, ACE is going to push back and say, uh, you know, it's the people have paid it. That's the taxes or whatever. You know, it's kind of the thing they have with CHOP. I don't buy it. We're, we're in a different situation. You can't just go in and thrash all these areas. So, um yeah, I don't think he's able to homestead this. I don't think it's his property. So if he's got no expectation of privacy, he's got no property rights. This isn't really his stuff. Finders keepers, losers weepers, I think is the, the technical part of that. Cool kids call this anarchy tranny. Uh, <laughs> oh, tyranny. Sorry. <laughs> Makes more sense. Uh, which is a stupid way of saying the law is a red herring. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah, I hate the phrase anarch or tyranny. Um, let's see if we got any more good stuff here. I think that the ninth would cover pretty well, being that is a catch-all, not outlined rights, which I believe includes discrimination. Yeah, but I think uh, the problem, you, you might want to look at the 14th, which uh, talks about incorporation of, uh, anyway, uh, do your own thing. Um, uh, any, any voluntary, okay, here we go. Uh, there are There were voluntary efforts to house the homeless in Cali City as the government put an end to that right away. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So once again, then then maybe you do what the, the Arizona people are doing, which is uh, file uh, grievances uh, that they're creating a nuisance, which I believe they are. Um, if you were doing this and you weren't a homeless guy and you just were putting your trash out here, wh what would happen to the normal person? Um, OK, let's go here. The problem with public property is that it is incredibly rivalrous. Who owns it? Who knows? But no single person has a valid claim to it, especially uh, homeless people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you're right on that, especially homeless people. So it's problematic. I think you're, yes, if you remove it all, so you can, here's the problem with calling it thieves, right? By the A side is you don't do it justice as to the reality of the situation and you're not solving the problem. If this, by the way, was your own per personal private property, which does happen in California all the time and you're not able to defend it and you're not able to Ex evict people such as this, then is, is he going to say that those are uh, thieves for trying to defend their property? Probably not. Um, uh, it sucks, but homeless people aren't generally taxpayers. <laughs> yeah, no, they aren't. Um, not only can they solve complex problems, they thrive off. I don't know. I'm sorry. Maybe I missed something that. Um, also, read my comments above. Oh, Spud, are you talking to me or someone else? So I have to go back here. Um, so he crawls into his domicile and then they can use it, use the excavator on it. I am sure they were aware of it. <laughs> okay. Um, 
yeah, so, you know, it's a bummer. Uh, I don't know what else to say on that one. Uh, there was, I wanted to talk about a, a few other, by the way, uh, Michael Malice, and we're going to close up here. We're about an hour and a half in, but I've uh, thoroughly, I didn't have, I, I, I work from home as much as I can on Fridays. So this is kind of, and, and even then by noon, I'm like bailing, calling it a day. Um, so I'm, I'm just like, this is fun to do. I love to do these podcasts, by the way, I would encourage all of you. I just, uh, uh, Reed Coverdale had his YouTube channel nuked. Okay. It did come back. But we're all subjected to this stuff. So I would encourage all of you to find my links down there in any of these shows. Go to Rumble. Go to Odyssey. Find it out there. You can even join me at Locals. I don't know if I've, I haven't really done much there, but I do have a show. I mean, a page there. Find my Substack. You're at least able to find me if you, if you need to, if, if this gets pulled off, and then we can still have our, our fun times. Uh, thoroughly enjoy uh, playing these clips. Michael Malice this week had on Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore also went on with uh, Clint Russell, uh, Yo Pasta, couch surfer guy, not couch surfer, is that it? Maybe it is. And Dave Smith, and they had a great conversation. I, th I thought it was great. What I've noticed though, and by the way, Dave also went on that Lilo and Stitch or whatever those fucking losers are. Uh, <laughs> it was so bad the first time. And Dave posts up Sunday, hey, I'm going to go back. And I'm like, oh God, no, but I'll listen. And then the, the Adam friended or whatever, he, he blocked me. Uh, perfectly fine. But you don't usually block someone that says they're going to watch your show, right? Uh, and this one was actually better, but it was more boring. At least the first one was so content contentious that um, I enjoyed it a little more. This one was just uh, whatever. Um, by the way, Jimmy Dore went on there before. Jimmy Dore goes on with, with Dave. There's the times where he's on his phone like this, like you're thinking he's not even paying attention. But the best Jimmy Dore was going on with Michael Malice, uh, just one-on-one. -on -one. Dude, um, riffs on a bunch of stuff. I don't know. And this is what's I think enjoyable about Jimmy a complete disagreement with him on his universal health care stuff. Uh, but the conversation with Dave and Clint was interesting and he hates the government so much that they get him every time by saying you hate this government, but you want them in control. And I think there's just some logistics that can be handled there. And if, by the way, if, if we were to rid ourselves of all these other issues, you know, money to Ukraine, everything else, and that universal healthcare is like the only one we have to fight over. Uh, okay. So you lose that one. Okay. I didn't really know that it's a, that big of a deal. Uh, he makes some good points, which are, which I, they're also straw men, which I don't think are valid, which is if we weren't sending that, well, he, back up. He says, he gives a number and I don't know what the exact number is. So many billion or trillion, uh, that, 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 the left always says that this is how you cure homelessness. It only takes this amount of money. And he's like, perfect. You just sent all of that to Ukraine. Why don't, why don't you just solve the homeless problem? If that's really the number that you're saying it is, let's just solve the homeless problem. Then that's done. Then we don't have to worry about a lot of this other things. But uh, that's not really the way this works out. Okay, let's see if we have, um, oh, Adam and Sitch. I said Lilo and Stitch. I think, that was, I think that's better. Um, I think Ace is talking about the state sending people to take his stuff, which is technically correct. But he doesn't offer any uh, anything to solve the problem. Here's my problem with Ace. It's it, there. When we argue a lot of the libertarian nuance stuff, there's gray areas and there's little things you have to really think about. You saw that with Clint and his argument with the lefty guy. When the guy does push back on something that maybe is interesting, Clint actually is able to have enough sense in himself to say, "Oh, interesting. I haven't thought of it like that," or "I'm not sure." Or I'd have to think maybe a little more, but here's, here's my legitimate answer. And, but, uh, Ace takes a, an answer on this. These guys are thieves. And I, I'm like, dude, are you, I don't know where you're living. 
but that's not the situation we have with these situations. So, um, or it's not the, it's not realistic to this. It's, it's, you're showing anyway. So it's, it's to me, it's, uh, not quite the, this, the same. Um, okay. This is fun. Jimmy might be salvageable. I think so. And, and you know, what's interesting about him and then I'll, I'll take off here is, uh, he had the Kelvin, the, the vaccine. Um, he was then injured. He had a lot of problems from that and it, he decided to dig into it deeper. He made such a good point. <clears throat> I got to think about it. He's like, he talks about misinformation and he's like, What's interesting, they think they say that if you read misinformation, you are going to be corrupted. It's like a it's like a computer virus that gets in as soon as it touches, it's it's done. However, that misinformation is fine for them to read before they tell you you can't do it. So it's it's interesting that somehow they're inoculated and you're not. I also uh, tweeted out or I, maybe I'm working on this tweet. I don't think I'd send it out. Uh, something about the COVID misinformation. Uh, crowd is also similar to the, uh, the, the COVID people are similar to the misinformation people where, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go down this. I forgot the whole point I was going to make on it and I'm still working on the tweet. So, uh, we'll just keep that. Uh, Benzo says pedo adjacent isn't salvageable. <laughs> uh, I disagree by the way on, um, toads take on ace. Okay. I think ace doesn't help himself with some of that, but I don't think it's quite right. Um, I did watch a live stream of Jeremiah and ace, and I thought they were both a little, not quite right, uh, on it. And then I saw Jeremiah do a stream where he was on Layton's show. I don't know if you guys know who Jeremiah is. He looks crazy. Uh, I know he's not quite crazy, but he does live in like a, a hall closet. Um, by the way, that's not a, a hyperbole. That's the truth. Um, according to toad, uh, he went on, uh, Layton's show outlawed thoughts and Layton kicked him off. And so he does this breakdown of how crazy, um, Layton is. And then he gets kicked off and then he plays the segment. And I'm like, dude, you are crazy that, that, that's your show made you look crazy. So, uh, I did have to side with, uh, Layton on that one. Progressive fact checkers think they're the voice of God. Yes. Okay. We're almost done here. JFC. That was such a disaster. Yes. Uh, oh, by the way, Spud, uh, you're talking about the Layton thing. Um, he, Jeremiah <laughs> showed a, a tweet that you did and, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty good. Uh, your tweet that is the whole pedal situation is no different than any other situation that involves thought versus actions. Um, yeah, perhaps the stream was wild. Yes, it was. Uh, so the problem with the, even the pedal thing is there's some nuance right there. And, and, um, Ace wants you to understand there's nuance, yet there's no nuance with this. That doesn't make sense to me. Okay. I saw it. Okay. Yeah, you did, Pet uh, Spud. All right, guys. I think we're done. Uh, you have a good weekend. Maybe we'll do another one of these this weekend. Oh, I'm going to the Libertarian. Uh, we're doing a, some party thing. I might see Meredith and a few other people out there. Adam Choate, Adrian. Uh, it's in Sacramento. I'm going to get a hotel with my wife. We're going to go party for a bit on Saturday night, uh, see some people, some libertarian things. Maybe we'll get some pictures. And um, if you're there, make sure you come out and uh, see me. There's no nuance involving children. Uh, that's what Benzo says. Uh, well, there can be. And, and damn it, you guys, stop me up here. Um, if you're like 16 and uh, 18, there can be some nuance. That's exactly the nuance we're talking about. And, and then everyone dancing and trannies and all these other stuff, drag shows. I don't know. 
So I don't really care. Okay, that's that's all I'm I'm going out there. There there can be. There can be. But I don't want to get involved in it. That's my point. All right, everybody. Take care. Have a great weekend. Uh, appreciate everybody being involved here. Uh, if you have stuff you want, August 15th, I think, is when we're going to do, try to do the next Kill podcast. So get your uh, sign up if you can. Also, um, if you have any suggestions, any podcasts or whatever that you want to have a breakdown, I just saw I just saw Dave tweeting out about reason that they wanted to normalize and decriminalize, which is fine, but also normalize sex shows. And, um, <laughs> and by the way, that's, that's pathetic because, uh, I, I wrote out there that the morality, it's, it reminds me of people that want to legalize uh, gay marriage just simply so that you are then put in a box of having to agree with their lifestyle. Uh, that's just a prime example. And, uh, I don't think that is so morality and legality don't mean the same thing, but for a lot of people it does. So, all right. Take care, everybody. Uh, have a good one, and see you on the next time. Bye. Okay, I'm leaving now. Bye, guys. But she's back. And now. Chick-fil-A is completely overrated. It's not that good. I prefer Zaxby's. I prefer Popeye's. Takes a tough man to make a tender forecast, Nick. And I guess that's me. <laughs> Keep fucking that chicken. For, should I vote for Dick Cheney on the Libertarian Party? Do yes. I have an obligation to vote for Dick Cheney? I would say so. Yes. Well, did it work for those people? <laughs> no. It never does. I mean, these people somehow delude themselves into thinking it might, but but it might work for us. That one dude was like, not a podcast, I can't find it anywhere, and they don't have video. Oh, yeah, Peter Janky, yeah. He's... Yeah, I blocked him. I'll do it. If he unblocks me, I'll... I'll... He'll buy your shirt if you unblock him, Bert. He's a wigger. Yeah, nothing cooler than so a 49-year-old wigger. Like... Yeah, I just started I live streaming. Cut me some slack. I'm fucking, I'm pretty high-tech for a boomer. Uh, but anyways, I'm...